You're listening to Financial Insights, a podcast that helps investors through the difficult maze of financial planning and saving for retirement. I'm Brian Ullman, and I'm a financial advisor and certified financial planner at Ford Financial Group. And together with some guests and other advisors at my firm, we're talking about the issues and questions relating to finance that face our clients every day. Okay, welcome back to the Financial Insights Podcast. We are officially two days into October. I'm recording this on October 2nd, and it didn't take long for October to get weird. I know I've joked in the past about aliens. Well, in August, I joked with clients about aliens perhaps landing in September as the weird thing that might have gone on in September. Instead, the Sierra Nevada's all caught fire, uh, and we had fires all up and down the West Coast. And so that was really kind of the unsavory element of September, in addition to the fact that September was the first month that markets were down since March. But now we're into October and we always have or worry about an October surprise. And and that's as it relates to the election. Presidential elections often are viewed as having an October surprise, something odd that happens right before the election. And it certainly seems like we got our October surprise overnight on October 1st or late night, I guess, if you're on the West Coast, uh, where the president and the first lady were both... Um, tested and tested positive for COVID-19, along with uh, several other staff members. Uh, Now, since then, uh, the presidential candidate for the Democrats uh, has also been tested and apparently has tested negative. Um, But we are kind of working our way through that situation right now. Markets reacted pretty poorly in futures, dropping, but kind of gathered some of that back before the market closed today. So in this episode, what we're going to do is we're going to go through Just a quick update like we usually do, kind of touch on markets a bit. Uh, We had a jobless claims number come in that's kind of been put on the back burner with this news. And then we'll dig in a little bit on what what the implications are of Trump testing positive for COVID-19, what that might mean for markets and for the election. So let's dig in with markets here as we finish off uh, the last week of September, begin the first couple of days of October. Um, for the week ending October 2nd, the, the S&P 500 index was actually up 1.8%, and the Dow Jones Industrial Average was up 1.9%. Uh, NASDAQ was up as well, up a percent and a half, so not quite as good as the S&P and Dow, but still doing pretty well. As news concerning President Trump's positive test affected Friday's markets, the S&P 500 index still managed to finish the week higher. Uh, energy was actually the worst performing sector this past week, and it's been that way for two weeks now. The best performing sectors were real estate, utilities, consumer discretionary, technology, and financials. Uh, the growth side of things managed to outperform value by a little bit more than 1%. And mid caps and small caps also had sm- solid performances this week, with both of those markets up over 3.5%. And even though Chinese markets were closed for the holiday, international equities ended the week higher with both the MSCI EFI and the MSCI Emerging Market Indices up over a percent and a half. As we turn and look to bonds, fixed income, as denoted by the Bloomberg Barclays U.S. Aggregate Index, finished lower, as did most bond asset classes. Emerging markets debt, uh, using the J.P. Morgan Emerging Markets Global Bond, uh, was a top performer by just finishing in the green this week. So if you were in bonds and you managed a positive return, you were best of class. Uh, Commodities actually ended the week mixed. Silver was a solid performer, finishing the week up over 5%. 
Gold also finished the week positive. The U.S. dollar actually posted its largest weekly gain since early April last week, uh, but it managed to finish lower versus the euro this week. One of the better economic signs we've seen is the strength in copper recently, and that's really because copper is used all over the world as a very important industrial metal. On Tuesday, though, it fell more than 5% for its worst day since March. It's worth noting that this took place during the Chinese Golden Week holiday, and given that China buys a large part of the world's copper, that might explain the decline. But nevertheless, this is worth watching, and if copper continues to weaken, it could be a clue of sorts to the overall global economy uh, and that it might be faltering as well. Let's dig in for a moment on U.S. and international economic data, uh, starting with the Conference Board's Consumer Confidence Index. It jumped to over 101 from August 86, beating estimates by the most since November 2011, and it actually delivered the largest month-over-month increase since April 2003. The majority of the previous largest monthly increases occurred at the end of a recession or a beginning of a new expansion. And given the market consumer makes up two-thirds of the GDP or gross domestic product, this could actually bode pretty well for the recovery as we come out of this COVID-induced recession that we're in. You can't start a new month without talking about initial jobless claims filings and unemployment reports. Uh, Initial jobless claims filings declined by 33,000 to over 835,000 for the week ending September 26th. That's according to the U.S. Department of Labor. And this was better than the Bloomberg consensus expectations calling for 850,000. Continuing claims fell by roughly 800,000 to 11.8 million for the week ending September 19th. And the pace of job recovery had slowed some, evidenced by the over 2% decline in personal consumption expenditures for August, as reported by the economic, uh, the Bureau of Economic Analysis. All of this kind of suggests that additional stimulus might be needed. And I'll put a link to uh, our chart uh, from LPL Research showing that job growth is kind of stalling here uh, lately. Hiring also slowed during the past month as the September non-farm payrolls release uh, showed that the labor market added over 660,000 jobs, which was short of consensus expectations of under 860,000. The unemployment rate actually fell to 7.9%, which was ahead of consensus expectations. Growth in the labor market has slowed in recent months, and permanent job losses have increased, and we've seen more corporate layoff announcements amid fading stimulus and rising COVID-19 cases, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. So we're not out of the woods yet. The unemployment rate, which is what a lot of folks focus on, has improved, but it is still not good. Nearly 8% unemployment is nothing that we want and probably roughly double about where we left off as we entered this COVID-induced recession. So that's something to keep an eye on here. Um, I, I, as we record this right now, Congress is still bickering over what's going to happen if additional stimulus is going to come. It certainly seems from the economic numbers that this is something that's warranted, but we're just going to have to wait and see. Looking ahead to next week or this week, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, uh, we have some economic data that's going to be released, the September Purchasing Managers Index, uh, along with the ISM Non-Manufacturing Report, are going to be announced on Monday. We also get September Domestic Auto Sales, um, and we get the the JOLTS, or the Job Opening Labor Turnover Survey, later in the week, and on Wednesday, we get uh, the August Consumer Credit Report. So there's some things that are coming down the pipe, but... You know, really, it all pales in comparison, I think, at this point now with what's going on with the election and what's going on um, with the president. The talk of the town really was the debate, what went on with the debate, 
I don't know if you watched or didn't watch. It was pretty contentious, to say the very least. There is no clear winner and no clear loser. I think each side probably views their side as having done better than the other. But it leaves us in a place where uh, you know we want to know what the effect is on the election. And so um, that was really kind of leading the charge here until we got the news, as I mentioned earlier, uh, that the president has tested positive for coronavirus. So let me start by first and foremost wishing the president and the first lady a swift and full recovery. This October surprise raises the already high level of political uncertainty markets are dealing with as Election Day approaches, which is one month and one day away as I record this. So as market participants digest the news and consider the possibility that the president may not be able to fulfill his duties, markets might become more volatile. Although I think Trump's odds of beating the virus, just like the UK's Prime Minister Boris Johnson and the Brazil president uh, did, are are probably pretty good. so as the, first, as the president and the first lady of the United States, they're going to be monitored pretty closely. They have access to the best health care in the world. And even though the president is in a demographic that is deemed um, pretty vulnerable to this, to this diagnosis, I think you can rest assured that he's probably getting the, the best treatment anybody in the entire world can get when it comes to this, to this virus. So we have a few questions that we're getting right now surrounding the news. And I can give some immediate reactions uh, and maybe some answers or try and deliver some answers for what we know right now. The first question we get a lot of is, is this the October surprise? I mentioned that October is known for pretty volatile markets and some surprises when it comes to a presidential election or election time. It's safe to say that this is officially our October surprise. Now, we're only two days into a very long month. So it doesn't mean there can't be more October surprises, but this certainly ranks up there as one of the big ones. And so um, it, October also has seen some spectacular crashes in markets, but it also sees some large gains. So some even say that October is where bear markets go to die, marking the end of the sell in May and go away calendar. But the bottom line here is that October is one of the months that tends to be the most volatile of the year, especially in an election year. And we expect this October to be no different. I also get asked fairly often is whether or not we think the president will beat coronavirus. And the president's being monitored constantly. He has immediate access to the best healthcare in the world. The virus was caught early and that all of these things improve his chances. I think the odds of him beating the coronavirus are pretty high, uh, just like um, the Prime Minister Johnson and the Brazilian president that I mentioned a little bit earlier. Uh, and so despite his age putting him in a high-risk category, I just think it, the, the likelihood of him um, not being able to beat this is pretty, pretty small. We also get asked how this is going to impact the president's schedule. And, you know, just like probably many pundits that you hear from, the president's likely to observe the quarantine for much of the recommended two week period. I expect that he'll be working throughout if the symptoms allow him to do so. Um, but the impact of the virus is unique to each individual, and there's no way of actually knowing. Even doctors don't know how this is going to impact him and his schedule. So we will just simply wait and see. I've read uh, today on Friday the 2nd that his symptoms are mild, uh, which is a good sign, and uh, hopefully he can keep this under control. The next obvious question here is how is this going to affect the election? And markets appear to be pricing in Vice President Joe Biden as the favorite here. And this news is likely going to do very little to change that. Um, 
if he, Trump bounces back pretty quickly, I suppose it could he could potentially get a small bump in polling. But I this race is closer than I think many other people think that it is. But despite that, I don't know that this um, the the diagnosis or the um, positive test of COVID for the president is actually going to affect the election. If markets are presuming that Biden is going to win, I don't I don't really see how this is going to change that all that much. It's worth noting that the, it's not just the president who's sick. Um, the We know that Trump advisor Hope Hicks has tested positive and others in Trump's close circle might also be sick. And so the immediate impact of that is also is unknown. But we do also know that the vice president, uh, Vice President Pence and his wife, Karen, as well as Joe Biden and his wife have all tested negative now. And so it doesn't seem as though whatever went on at the debates um, got to everybody. Uh, we get asked also as whether the president could gain support from this. And we saw uh, UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson gain a little bit of support during his battle with COVID-19. So Trump could have a similar impact for him. We also saw uh, President Ronald Reagan gain some support after the failed attempt on his life in March of, of 1981. And so um, there could get be some report, some uh, support that rallies behind him as he as he deals with this, but I, you know, I don't know if it's going to be quite enough to really change the game here. Um, some ask whether the 25th amendment will be invoked. And I don't think that's likely, at least for now, historically, the 25th amendment has been evoked, um, once under president Reagan, when he had surgery, not, but not for the assassination attempt and actually twice under president George Herbert Walker Bush for two colonoscopies. So in all those cases, the president was under anesthesia and literally couldn't make a decision if he was needed to. And so that's certainly not the case here. And so it would take a pretty significant deterioration, uh, for the president, for any of this 25th amendment stuff to become a possibility. Um, I think a, a real question is what does this mean for the next stimulus bill? It could actually speed up the two sides getting to an agreement if just to offset any perceived negative economic impact, not to mention that several major companies announced huge layoffs in the past week, and there are a lot of people in need of help. So this could possibly set the stage for better news as the two sides kind of negotiate this next stimulus bill. Um, I think when we saw this initial negative reaction to the news in overnight markets, uh, the you know today markets were down, but even the Russell 2000 was actually up slightly. So the so it begs the question: Why aren't defensive assets reacting more? And I think the initial reaction has been quite muted from gold, the Japanese yen, and treasuries. If this were a true risk-off moment, we would expect more movement here from those kinds of assets. So, although the market hasn't had much time to react. This is actually a positive thing, but I, but probably something that we need to continue watching pretty closely. Uh, the, the final question we get is, it, it, do we have any changes to our investment recommendations based on this news? And as of now, the answer is no. Um, we're not really making any changes to our investment recommendations as a result of this news. Now, we always continue to look for opportunities on potential weakness to add to equities. We still want to rebalance normally and make sure that we are well calibrated as we head into the future. And so um, you might see some some trade confirmations come through if you are a client and we're making adjustments to your portfolio. But just know there's nothing specifically that we have in mind that we are making changes on in reaction to this news. So that's kind of 
you know, the Q&A section of this deal with the president. Uh, we, of course, it, we're less than 24 hours into this news. And so this remains pretty dynamic and is something that we'll continue to watch. I would say keep an eye on our Facebook page uh, and keep an eye on our blog, which is FordFG.com forward slash blog, where we will continue to kind of assess what's going on here. Keep an eye on what's going on with the election and how that's affecting markets um, and see if there might be some opportunities or some risks out there that we need to be aware of. So I appreciate you listening. If you have questions or suggestions even for this podcast, I would encourage you to email us at info at FordFG.com. And with that, I look forward to talking with you next week. The advisors with Ford Financial Group are registered representatives with and securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, and SIPC. Investment advice is offered through Ford Financial Group, a registered investment advisor and a separate entity from LPL. The opinions voiced in this material are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Stock investing involves risk, including loss of principal. No strategy assures success or protects against loss. The economic forecasts set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted. Ford Financial Group and LPL Financial do not provide tax or legal advice or services. This information is not intended as a solicitation or an offer to buy or sell any security referred to herein.